All right. It's so good to see you all. I hope you're having an amazing uh, weekend. We are looking forward to keeping this party uh, going. If you're new here, we just want to thank you for being here. There's a lot of uh, great places you could be uh, around our city, a lot of fun things you could be doing, but uh, that you're here. Uh, we're just believing that's a God thing, that believe that, that God is, is weaving you into this uh, family. So we're just thankful you're here, excited to see how, um, how, how God works in your life. And so we just want to welcome you home and pray that it's a, a good place for you to grow in faith and family. If you're watching online, we love you. Thinking about you today, wish you were with us, right? We need to send some postcards out to everybody watching us, wish you were with us, right? And so we're so thankful for, for you hanging out with us. If you're listening online, driving down the road, you're part of the Fathom fam and excited to, to watch God continue to grow us all to be the church that he's called us to be. Hey, I, I want to make sure you know next weekend is Easter. Did you get that memo? Next week is, is Easter, and Saturday night is when we do our uh, big egg hunt. So I, I know some of you guys are super excited about hunting eggs. Well, maybe your kids are. Your kids are excited about it. Uh, maybe your grandkids are excited about it. So that's this coming Saturday at 6 p.m., that's really when our, our weekend festivities get kicked off is at our egg hunt. And then right after that, we do an event called uh, Easter Nocturne or Resurrect- Resurrection Nocturne on Saturday night. It's an outdoor night of worship. And uh, I'm just telling you, you don't want to miss it. It is such a special night of worship right back here on the back deck. So don't uh, miss out. And we've got two services on Sunday. And so it's just going to be a, a packed weekend, but lots of fun. So make sure you grab some postcards, share that with some friends, invite some folks out. You never know how one invite is going to change somebody's life. It can change a whole legacy. It can change a whole family line with just one simple invite. So we love you. Super excited to see how God's going to work over this next week. So today we're going to wrap up our Goliath Must Fall. If you've been with us for the past couple weeks, we've been looking at not just the giants that stand before us. Everybody get that giant that's standing before you in your, in your head, and I know it's not, not me physically. Like There's a giant in your life. Maybe it's something you're battling with your health. Uh, maybe it's a financial situation you find yourself in. Uh, maybe it's some kind of legal battle that you find yourself in. Maybe someone at work, it feels like they're, they're, they've become a giant, you know, and just you can't get along with them. Or maybe it's a, it's a boss of some sort. I, I don't know what the giant's standing before you. Maybe an addiction you're trying to overcome, but... What we've been looking at during this series is not just the giants that stand before us, but the giants that are within us. We've talked about facing criticism. How do we face the giant of criticism? And, and how do we, we, we face the giants of insecurity that we have in, in our lives? And so um, we want to close out this series today. And I want to talk about the giant of certainty. The giant of certainty. Because we live in uncertain times. There's a lot of uncertainty about who the next president will be. So some of you are facing uncertainty about where your next paycheck will come from. Some of you are, are uncertain about how you're doing as a parent or whether you'll be a good parent. Some of you are uncertain about what's going on with your spouse. Maybe uncertainty about um, your next steps in your faith. Maybe, maybe you're uncertain about a big decision that you're weighing through and, and, and you, you wrestle with the uncertainty of that. We're wrestling with uncertainty in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and ways in our life. And I feel like, I don't know if you guys watched Looney Tunes way back in the day. Um, you guys remember Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner? And I feel like so many of us, are, our lives are, it's like the big boulder is falling on Wiley Coyote. And he can go right or he can go left, but what does he do? He just stands there and gets crushed by the boulder. It's like, dude, get out of the way. You just stand, that kind of makes the cartoon 
But so many of us are doing the same thing. We don't know if we should go left. We don't know if we should go right. And so we do nothing. And and then we just get crushed. And our faith is halted. Our journey is halted uh, because we haven't moved and taken the step of faith that he's asked us to make. It's been said that the greatest enemy of faith or, or the opposite of faith is not doubt. But the opposite of faith is certainty. The opposite of faith is certainty. I wonder if some of us are wrestling with some things in our life. We're, we're, we're struggling to overcome and move forward, frankly, because we find ourselves crushed by the weight of uncertainty, not knowing whether we should go left or right. And so we just, we feel crushed up under the weight of uncertainty. I want to turn back to our text. And today there's been some kind of momentum. There's been some anticipation building in 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's all we've been studying, 1 Samuel chapter 17 for the past three weeks. And the buildup has kind of been killing us, and we get to the point finally in which we look on, and, and David now has his sling and his rocks in his pouch, and he's getting ready to slay this giant. And so I want to return back to uh, the text. So if you'll pull out your app or pull out your, your Bible or whatever you've got, uh, we're going to pick up at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and begin with verse uh, 40. Uh, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David and he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. And he despised him and he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed Uh, David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and I'm going to cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel and all those who gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, Uh, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine, and he killed him. David ran and stood over him, and he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard of the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. It's a pretty intense scene there towards uh, the end, but it's pretty intense. So it's kind of built to this moment of anticipation as we've followed this story over the past few weeks. And I think the first thing that I I, want to make sure we understand in our own lives uh, with this, as David understood is that we're in a battle. I, I know like it, it seems like Monday is more of a battle than Tuesday is. You know, Friday seems like a little less battle than maybe Sunday morning's getting up is. I, I don't know what your days look like, but we're all in a battle. 
And it's not a physical battle, though it seems like that's the battle we're always fighting. A physical flesh battle uh, with uh, one of our coworkers or one of our employees or uh, a battle with the legal system or a battle with your neighbor or a battle with your finances. or I, I don't know what the physical battles, but we, it's, all the physical battles in front of us, there's really a spiritual battle going on too. That oftentimes we don't slow down and, and, and make recognition that there's a spiritual battle and that there is an enemy of our soul who, who despises us just like Goliath despised David. He hated the light that was shining in him, ruddy and handsome. It was the light of God that was shining in him, and Goliath hated him for that. So I think it's so important for us to realize that you're in a battle. You're in a battle, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, but we wrestle against the principalities and powers. Um, of evil in the heavenly realm. And so I want you to know this, first of all today, that we, we're in the battle, and secondly, that we don't fight this battle the same that everybody else fights it. We fight differently. As the people of God, as sons and daughters of God, as the family of God, we fight differently. Why? Because God fights differently. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And so we fight his way. But the thing is, is we've learned a certain way to fight. Uh, um, my dad, when he was uh, in uh, like kind of older junior high, began to play trumpet in the band. And he played trumpet all through high school in the marching band. Anybody marching band? Got any marching band people? There's a few of you. There you go. Awesome. I represent. Awesome. Uh, so my dad played, was in the marching band, played trumpet. He also played football. And so when the whole team would go into the locker room, he would have his uniform on. He'd just grab his trumpet and like just hop in line with, with them. And then he'd come back out and join uh, the, the football team. And he played uh, trumpet for probably 20 years and probably got to a point uh, not probably, he got to a point in which he was kind of being asked to, to play at some kind of semi-professional venues, and, and someone kind of put their arm around his shoulder, I was like, hey, you're a great trumpet player, you should really consider, have you ever taken professional lessons? And he's like, no, he's like, you should take professional lessons. So 20 years into knowing how to play the trumpet, every room he walks into, he's the best trumpet player in the room, and someone says, you should go get lessons. So my dad's like, okay, like, uh, he was discerning like what God wanted to do through all this, and so he went to his first um, trumpet lesson ever, you know, in his, uh, in his mid-30s or, or, or early, I guess, yeah, mid-30s. And uh, he, he shows up, and this guy is like the best trumpet player in the Southeast, some said. And so my dad is sit, sits down, and he says, hey, why don't you play me something? Play me uh, a song. And so my dad be, proceeds to play a song. He's like, okay, put your trumpet down. And he said, okay, now do you really want to get better? My dad's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, he goes, okay, well, you're going to have to unlearn everything you've ever learned over your past 20 years. In order to build this right, we got to redo it from the start. And, and I would say the same thing in our life. So many of us, we, we realize, okay, we're in a battle, but what we end up doing is we, we fight in this battle the same way we've always fought. Our, our method, our weapons of war have not changed. We're still doing the same things. We're still trying to fight the same way. And and there are weapons of this age that you've learned. There is a natural technique in which you've learned uh, in your life on how to deal with uncertainty, on how to deal with the giant of, of certainty. And it seems like uncertainty would be the giant, but it's the certainty that's really the giant. 
because we've been called into faith. And faith lacks actually the certainty the majority of the time that we long for and we want so desperately. And so uh, the the world has a, a way of waging war and we have learned these techniques. I'll call them the weapons of the age, of dealing with the uncertainty. Here, here's a few of them. One of the weapons of the age is anger and violence, right? When we're um, uncertain, maybe you've seen this in cops or in your neighborhood or in your home in which there's uncertainty uh, about where your spouse has been or what they've been doing. And so we, we fight that uncertainty with anger and violence, uncertainty about the political climate and what's next and and what to do and to respond to injustice and some have responded with the weapons of the age with anger and violence. Uh, I think probably more commonly some of us, we deal with the uncertainty of the things that we can't control in our life. We, we begin to control and manipulate those that we can control. And we, we, we result to a weapon of this age. But God gives us a whole nother path to, to walk in peace in a, a weapon of peace. And he, he gives us a whole different weapon to, to walk in faith and, and not uh, to, to take up a weapon, but to take up a posture of surrender and to, to, to fight with faith and not our feelings. And, and maybe when the world, maybe it, what we've learned to deal with our problems and to deal with our pain is to numb the pain. That's what we've We've learned these techniques, but, but really God calls us into a life of healing of our heart, of our soul, of our bodies, of our mind. He calls us into a life of healing and a life of faith, even when we're uncertain. But some of us, we're, we're fighting these battles, like whatever that battle of, that we're uncertain about or dealing with, we're, we're, we're fighting it with the wrong weapon. I mean, I think about David in this scenario. He showed up to a gunfight or he showed up to a knife fight with a gun. Like he came prepared. Goliath was unprepared when everything on the outside looks like he was so unprepared. And, and I don't know who this is for, but, but God has put some things on your heart. He's, he's opened some doors of opportunity that you feel so ill-equipped to when it comes to the actual tangible weapons of what it makes, it the physical, the carnal weapons But if you will be spiritually equipped, if you will step into the battle and know that you are equipped when you are equipped in the Spirit. And he he says to him, I come at you. You come at at me with javelin, spear and sword. I come against you in the name of the Lord. He he wasn't fighting for himself. This wasn't about David's glory. This wasn't about David's ascension into authority and influence. No, this this was... about David being obedient and walking in faith as a 15-year-old child. 15-year-old young man, he stepped out onto this battlefield and he said, I'm not fighting like the rest of you guys want me to fight. And he knew that from the get-go. Like what wisdom and maturity at 15 years old to know, hey, I'm, I'm not going to conquer this giant by my own strength. It's going to be by the Lord. I just want to encourage you, fight if we're fighting differently, if you know you're fighting differently, just stay focused on the mission, that it's in the name of the Lord that we come and we fight, like it is for the glory of God in which we fight. Uh, when I was uh, 
Uh, like pre-Jesus, I was a bad, bad trash talker. I mean, like, I love to talk some trash. I mean, even like post-Jesus, I was a bad trash talker. It took a long time for that to get out of me. I don't know if it was short man syndrome um, or what it was, but I always, I was not a great athlete, but I was a gritty athlete. Like, I, I, I was ready to fight. I, I didn't always fight, but I was ready to fight the next person and just ran in my mouth. For, for some of you um, who follow the Jags, the Jalen Ramsey, you know, type, like that was, that was me. I was a trash talker on the field, and I ran my mouth constantly. And there is some serious trash talk going on between Goliath, and he's like, I'm about to feed your flesh to the birds. And David's like, I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to cut your head off. Like, it is like, that's intense language. They're coming at each other, and there is no love, you know, lost between these two. They are enemies. They are enemies. And, but I love how David approaches this. He says, the Lord will deliver. There is, there is no question in his mind. The Lord will deliver. And I think what we need to understand today is that as believers, as sons and daughters of God, as those bought by the blood of Jesus, we fight from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. Like it's already been won. Like Jesus' last word hanging on the cross is it's finished. It's, it's, it's as good as done. Uh, the, the, the prophet said he was the one who was slain from the foundation of the earth. Like it had already been set in motion through God's mind that he allowed all this to take place. Victory had already been won. But so many, so many times we don't fight from a place of victory. We're fighting for it. Man, when I began to understand this, it began to change everything about the things in my life that I need to overcome. The, the, the giants that stood not just before me, but the giants that were within me. But I understood, man, Jesus already made a way for victory. I just need to cling to Jesus. And if I can just know Jesus more, like I will, I'll always stay in that place of victory. The flag has been planted. I just got to keep my hand on the flag of victory. So we fight from a place of a victory. But so many times I don't hear that in the voice of believers. I, I, I don't hear a positive expectation for the outcome. I hear stuff like, yeah, I hope it works out. You know, I found myself saying that like last season, you know, when we were raising money for this, you know, uh, you know first uh, pass of, of renovation in phase one and now phase two, like, yeah, uh, hopefully the money will come in. Like, hope, hopefully, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, but I think if we'll pay attention to our words, and because our words matter, like in the, there's power of life and death in the tongue, and if, if we believe that and we'll pay attention, I think actually what we say actually um, from our lips actually says something about what's in our heart. It says something about what's in our faith. And, and, and I don't know what you're up against. And, and look, everything on the outside can say it's over. Just ask Jesus' mom. Like everything on the outside can say like, it's over, I'm done with, like this relationship is done, I'm done, my career path is shut down, like I've lost my child, like there's just no more hope, but, but Jesus, but God, there is, there is hope. And so I, I want us to walk in that, that place of confidence. So Hebrews 11 describes faith as, Faith is confidence in what you hope for. It's confidence in it, and it's assurance about what we don't see. We all, like, 
we, we all want to see it all. We, we all want to know. We want to have control. We want the certainty of that. But that's not what faith is. Faith is, is not like who is a John Wayne who's like being scared and stepping out anyway and fighting anyway. No, no, it, it, it's stepping out of the boat even when you're not 100% sure. And so many of us were waiting until we get 100%. And, and I just, I, I think so many times if we're not a, you know, 100% sure, we just don't move. And so we just stay stagnant. We just stop, afraid about what the outcome. Um, we were at the, uh, a conference this week, and uh, one pastor said it so well, and it just resonated with, with the whole team that was there. He was talking about so many of us, we bear the burden of outcome. And, and bearing the burden of outcome is like me carrying this table around. And like, I want this outcome. And so I, I carry this table around everywhere. And like, see how far you, you can take this. And, and we feel exhausted after the first 10 minutes. And some of us are like, forget it. I don't want anymore. Because we're carrying the burden of outcome. But he, he said, actually, what we need to be carrying is the burden of obedience, not the burden of outcome. And it's such a great word for us. And that's more like a pin that we carry in our pocket. It's, it's a light. That's the yoke that Jesus invites us into, one that is light and easy. And so if you're in this room and you're bearing the, uh, the burden of outcome and not the burden of obedience, then take on uh, the, the lightweight work of, of Jesus to just simply walk in faith and obedience. And so, but, but we got to watch what our words say because they often they're reflective of how our heart feels and what our heart believes and that focus, that focus internally, that focus in our mind actually determines our faith. It ends up undercutting our faith so many times. So, so let me ask you, are, are you fighting from a place of victory? Like it's done. It's done. Like it's already done. Now we're going to have to walk that out. We're going to have to walk it out just like David had to walk it out. He had to put the rocks in the thing and he had to sling it towards on Goliath. But he, here's what, what um, I, I see in David's story. He says, I'm going to strike you dead, and then I'm going to cut off your head. <laughs> I think David understood that it's a process. He had killed lions, and he had killed bears. And I think every single time he wanted to kill them, it wasn't a one fell swoop. And David knew that. He said, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to take you down. In fact, he picked up five stones some say that may have been for Goliath's brothers because he had four other brothers. Because just once you get done with one giant, don't you know there's another one coming around the corner, okay? So quit running from the one in front of you because God's actually got more lined up. So just buckle up and get ready to fight like David did and just run towards him, okay? And, and, and so, but he has these five stones and maybe it was for Goliath's brothers. It was representative. I'm going to take down you and all your, all your people, you know? Um, but maybe it, it was he knew this wasn't going to be a one-hit fight. He may have to sling this thing at him a couple times. Maybe he did miss, but God was going to deliver. He was going to be faithful. I think I, I want you to know that victory is a process. It's a process uh, in each of our, our lives. Victory over your addiction. Victory to overcome that mountain of debt. Uh, victory to get physically fit. Victory to, you know, whatever you're up against. It, it's a process. It's a process. David knew this. And, and it's amazing, if you look at David's journey from field to food runner, like shepherd to food runner to, you know, um, he was faithful at every, at every stop, and he was faithful to, you know, uh, ignore his brother's 
uh, criticism. He was faithful to take off Saul's armor and be true to who he was and what he knew. He was faithful. He was faithful to step out onto the front lines to approach the giant. He was faithful to pick up five smooth stones. And he was faithful to sling them towards the giant's head. Now, none of those things, none of those acts seem all that big. Taking food, doing what his dad told him to do, picking up rocks, taking off armor. None of those things feel that significant or look that significant. But it is all these little steps of faith. It is all these little steps of obedience that were writing this great big story of victory in David's life and for the people of Israel. And I would say the same to, to you, that all these little steps, all these little steps of faith are actually writing a great big story of victory. Like what if God has like a great big story of victory in your life and it just, and it just feels like picking up rocks most days? It just feels like running food back and forth. It, it just feels like tending sheep. It feels so normal. <laughs> it, it feels so boring even at times. What if all these little steps of faith are writing something far bigger, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God? That this was not about David. I, I believe that God's writing a big story in each one of our lives. I just, I believe, I believe that God loves you too much. I believe that he has a plan for your life. And I think it's bigger than what you can ever imagine. We talked about this a lot last week. But are we willing to embrace the little steps of faith it's going to take to write that big story of victory? Um, he goes on to say, all those gathered here in verse 47, all those gathered here, they'll know that it's the Lord who saves. See, the battle is the Lord's, and so is the victory. Oftentimes, uh, what we want to do is we cry out for God for the victory, and then when it happens, we're like, y'all see what I just did? It was awesome. You know? And we kind of make it about us all of a sudden. There's a temptation to steal the glory from God, but, but David knew from the beginning through the middle through the end, he knew that it was the Lord who saves. It was his victory, and it was his victory, and so it was his glory. Even as uh, David defeated uh, Goliath, and they began to sing songs about him. You know, what do you do when people start singing songs about you? like, I don't know, like, stop, stop. It's all, it's all the Lord, you know, and it can feel kind of, you know, superficial, but we see David's reverence um, that it was, about, it was about the Lord the whole time. I think there's something huge here. Um, in, in this battle that I, I want to make sure um, that we understand, David stayed on the offensive, not on the defensive. And I, I think so many of us are caught off guard by the attack. But I, I would call you to tune in to how the enemy attacks you. Like, in fact, when I just say that, there's probably some images and thoughts that come to your brain. There's, there's, people, uh, there's situations, um, there's, there's um, opportunities, windows of opportunities in which you feel like, oh man, it was that. That was what caused it. And we can point our finger there. But what if we just stopped being on the defensive and what if we stayed on the offensive? 
And how do we, how do we stay on the offensive? One, I, I believe, is right here. I, I, I think is the word of God. It's hiding the word of God, the truth of God away in our heart. And like, look, when I was a kid, it, was, it just felt like something that, you know, you did. It's like Christians, what do you do? You, you read the Bible, right? It's just like, a, that's just what we do. It's, it's so much more than that. And, and if you've had that, like, oh, I, I have to read my Bible. I, no, it's not because I have to. It's not because I have this burden, like I'm not a good Christian or not. It's like, no, 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 like, because it's, it's the bread of life. Like, it's, it's I have to have this if I'm going to stay free. It, it, it's not just a road map. It's a weapon. It's a sword of the Spirit. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And so if you've approached this, defensively, which is here, here's where many of us approach it. Like, oh, I'm stressed. So let me go find something, you know. Oh, I'm going through anxiety like this. Somebody deal with anxiety. Someone had to deal with this, you know. Like, I feel tempted. Like, who is, who is tempted? And it's, def, it's defensive. It's, it's reactionary. But we need to get on the offensive. And, and, and I was telling the, some of our team this morning, like, and this is just me personally talking to you, um, I think all the time we feel like we've got to, we got to get better, we got to get better, we got to get better. And it's this, and it become, that becomes this burden. Yeah. Like God, God just wants you. He, he, just, he just wants you. Like just, just step into his story with little steps of faith. Just step into the, little, the, the big story he's writing through little steps of faith. And David didn't wait back. And some of us, because we're uncertain about how people will respond to us, uncertain where the money's going to come from, uncertain about this, uncertain about that, and so we just hide in the shadows. And like a wily coyote, the, the weight of uncertainty just drops on us, and we're halted in our faith, and we don't see the victory yet. But what if it's just, it's way simpler than that? What if it's not us kind of, you know, um, becoming like this master, or becoming like this, uh, this know-it-all or something like that, but it's just finding ourselves actually like a child again. Because see, each of us have been given, the scriptures say, a, a portion of faith. A portion of faith. And l- let's say on a scale of one to a hundred, a hundred being like totally filled with faith all the time, Jesus style, Right? And we're all on a scale, like we've been given a portion, and maybe yours is as small as a mustard seed, and that's why Jesus said, if you've just got faith the size of a mustard seed. And I just wonder what's happening with your mustard seed. Like, has it been planted? Because it'll be watered. Because it's God who makes it grow, but that, that seed, it, it's us who plant it through a step of faith. And I don't know what that step of faith might be in your life, but, but I don't think this is like, some rocket science. I think it's returning back to the simplicity of faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith, even like one of these little children, you'll inherit the heaven. And that's what, that's what Jesus was calling his disciples to, is to return to the simplicity of faith. Uh, the band can come. Um, a few weeks ago, we noticed Elisha. We have three children, for those of you that don't know. We have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, Elisha is our little girl. And uh, we noticed that her knee, like something was wrong with her knee. We didn't know what was going on. And she was hobbling around at first, but then it got to the point where she was just crying. And like, she's like, my knee hurts, my knee hurts. And, and you know, here's the thing, like kids, you carry them around for a long time and they get heavier as they do. So when like they're, they're getting heavier and they're like, pick me up and carry me everywhere. We're like, no, we already did this. Like, you know, you walk, you know, and, um, and so that, that's just dad talk right there. Come on, you can walk. 
Um, and so she's complaining about her knee, and, and uh, so we're picking her up and carrying her everywhere for like a, a day and a half, two days, and we're like, we have no idea what's going on. Did she sprain it while she was chasing her brothers or something? There's nothing on the outside we can't tell. And we start asking a few folks, and they're like, she may be having growing pains in her knees. And we're like, okay. I mean, I remember having those when I was a kid, but we didn't have that with either one of our boys, so we were, I was kind of caught off guard. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's that. I don't know. We didn't see a doctor, but um, she was laying down for a nap, and, and, um, and I said, at first of all, I'm not sure if Taryn prayed over her, and she said, yeah, I prayed over her. I'm like, well, I hadn't prayed over her yet. Sorry. You, you were way more spiritual than me. I was like, I don't know. She'll figure it out. Um, and, uh, but she was laying down, taking a nap, and, um, and we hear her from, from downstairs waking up, and she big, big, starts to walk and walk out of her room. And she goes, God healed me. I can walk. And we hear it from downstairs. It was just the most beautiful thing from a two-and-a-half-year-old. Like, God healed me. And, and I think in, in a lot of ways, we, we get worried about where our victory is going to come from and how it comes. But hey, when you're in the midst of the battle, I don't care where it comes from. I don't care how it comes. I just want it. I just want the victory. I don't care if God brings the healing by doctors. I don't care if he brings it by a miraculous touch from heaven. Just bring the victory. Just bring the healing. I don't care where it comes from. But man, I was just moved by that simplicity. And, and so many times it, it takes our children to remind us of just that simplicity of faith. Simplicity of faith that he is, is good. To everyone else watching, David was a massive underdog. But David never felt like an underdog. And he was never an underdog. He brought a gun to a knife fight, and he, brought, and he brought the power of God with him. He came in the name of, of Jesus. He came in the name of the Lord, and he didn't fight this way, the, the way that everybody else wanted him to fight. He fought with faith, and, and I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what the giant on the outside or the giant on the inside you're facing, but I just want to call you to fight differently. Fight in faith, fight in peace. Fight, fight from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. Fight through small steps of faith and small steps of obedience. Fight. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. And when you've done all you can to stand, stand firm still. Just keep on keeping on fathom. I don't know what the, the giants that you'll, you'll encounter this week or the giants that are coming around the corner, but I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to walk in confidence because faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Here's what we do know. We know God's good. We know God's fighting for us. The battle is his and the glory will be his. And so all across this room, I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray over you as we close this morning. With every head bowed across this room, just eyes closed. This band's going to lead us in just a minute. We're going to have a chance to just boldly proclaim this victory. But if you say, like Pastor, like I, I'm, I've got a real, got a real battle. It's health. It's addiction. It's a, it's a relationship. It's something at work. It's something at home with the family. If if that's you, will you just raise your hand up and say, I've got a, I've got a battle. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy today. Just want to know where you're at so I can pray for you today. We got a battle we're facing. We got a battle we're facing. We got giants we're facing all across the room. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Hey, is there anybody in the room that, that with every eye, you know, closed that say, hey, Pastor, I haven't really been living like I'm actually in a spiritual battle and, and, and 
I'm just waking up to that. Will you just be honest with me and say, that's me. I didn't really know how a spiritual battle, and now I'm seeing it. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you so much. I just want to pray for you today. And, and just all across this room, if you'll just kind of extend your hands, just open, saying, God, the victory is yours. It's not what's going to happen in my hands. You're going to bring the victory right now. God, I thank you right now for people all across this house, God, that faith is rising up. And maybe it's just a single mustard seed, God, but we're planting it today. We're planting it and saying, you're enough. You will deliver. You will save us. God, right now, I pray for victory in marriages. I pray for victory over addiction. I pray for uh, victory over debt, God, over anxiety, over depression, God, over physical illness, over disease. I pray uh, for victory over it. In Jesus' name, God, we don't have much, but what we have, we plant in the ground in faith, God, and we join our faith together and know that you will deliver, God. I pray right now for the person caught in the monotony of life and picking up stones just doesn't seem all that sexy, God, and and running food and watching sheep doesn't seem all that victorious, God, but I just pray that you would just bring victory and purpose to the monotony right now, that it matters, God, and we want to walk in faith, God, it's through every little step of faith that you're going to bring a great big story of victory, God. I can't wait to tell it, God. I can't wait to hear it, God. All across this room, there's going to be people that will stand on this stage or sit in their small group or, or stand in the lobby and tell a story of victory over the next month, over the next two months, over the next six months, God. You're going to bring victory. It's a process, God. Help us to be humble. Help us to be patient. But help us to be confident. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The giant wasn't dead when he went to the ground. He still had to go to him and cut his head off. And I don't know what it is in your life, opportunities that are sitting there and the giant's still alive. And in this next moment, we're gonna sing and we're gonna declare this. (laughs) This is weird. This is gruesome. But cut the head off of the giant, okay? Cut the head off of the giant. Don't just let him lay down dead like, oh, he might get back up. No, he's dead. We're cutting the head off today. Whatever it is, Let's proclaim that. Lead us in that this morning. Come.